0: Let me uh, direct your attention to our sermon series this morning, and, and let me just, first of all, I've been getting some good feedback, because this is incredibly practical, is it not? Yes. And, and can I just say this? Every time I'm preaching, I, I am preaching to myself, so don't anybody wonder, is pastor preaching at me this morning? I would not do such a thing, all right? Uh, I got my own problems to deal with. I'm not, I'm not concerned about your... No, I'm just kidding. But how many of you know my goal this morning is not ever to preach or any morning to preach at you because I'm with you. But does anybody besides me want to become more successful in terms of, of being a high-trust friendship relationship that people know you, they love you, they can share their heart with you, you're a safe place? Uh, and, as, and my vision for this series is as we're talking about this across the scope here. How cool to be a part of a church that is a high-trust place, because when you go to a high-trust church, you see a lot of people transformed. We're going to talk about that today. We've talked about some pillars, four pillars. We talked about carelessness. In other words, you're in relationships with people where you're carefree. You never have to worry about your back because they're high-trust relationships. We talked about people who are committed to your good, not their own motive or their hidden agenda. We talked about how important competency is, that people actually know what they say they're going to do, and they're able to perform it. Last week, we talked about Christ-like character and how important our character is in terms of having people be able to trust us. And today, I want to talk about another painful quality. I say painful only because I think we all wrestle with these things. How about this one? Consistency. 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 Uh, I was reading a wonderful story that Henry Cloud was was telling, and I, I don't know if any of you are Henry Cloud fans. I really enjoy reading Henry Cloud's material. But Henry Cloud t- talks about being down in the bayou in, the deep, in deep south New Orleans, going to a meeting where there's going to be a big fancy dinner and celebration at a restaurant. And, uh, and so he got down there and realized this was before GPS and all that stuff. And so he decided to do a very unmanly thing, which is to stop and ask directions. How many of you guys ever struggle with that one? All right. So he actually pulls into the... Uh, to the gas station, to the uh, praise of his wife. And, um, and he says, hey, I'm trying to get to this restaurant. Do you, do you know how to get there? And she says, yeah. And she starts, she says, go down this road and take a right and take a left. And uh, she says, uh, and when you uh, get to the next road, you'll see a dog sleeping there in the corner, right there in the grass. Take a right where the dog's sleeping. True story. And Henry Cloud looks at this lady and like, Turn where the dog's sleeping? Are you kidding me? And um, he just couldn't believe it. And she said, Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He's always there. He's always there. And sure enough, he followed her instructions and he got to the next corner. And there's a German shepherd sleeping right there in the grass. And so he hangs a right at the German shepherd and gets right to the uh, restaurant. Now, most of us would not give directions like that. But the point was this dog had a track record. The dog was always sleeping at that spot at that time, and the dog was consistently sleeping in that grass at that time. And the dog was so consistent that he actually became a mile marker. He became a, a, a post that you could follow. And my point is this. Oh, to be a dog with a track record, amen, that, you, it, that people could know. He's, he's going to be there. Trust me. He's always there. He's faithfully there uh, because here's the truth. Predictability and consistency are two indicators uh, that foster actually higher trust. So think about your own life, areas where you're consistent. If you're a consistent man or woman, that means somebody can trust you that whatever it is that has been your track record in the past will probably be your track record in the future. Or the word predictability, sometimes we think predictability is a bad word but actually predictability is a really good word because it means that your behavior follows a predictable pattern. Now, we know that can be a good pattern or that can be a bad pattern. We're going to talk a little bit about that. But here's the principle. What somebody has done before is usually the best indicator of what's going to happen next time. And the best predictor of your future is actually your past. Now, again pause here. We've been talking a lot about relationships. We've been talking about folks that are considering marrying somebody or dating someone. The best predictor of a future relationship is somebody's track record in past relationships. But he's so cute, and he's got so much potential. (laughs) Potential is meaningless if there's not ever been a track record where that potential has actually been manifested in real life. In other words, if the dog ain't sleeping at the corner and you're still looking for the dog, you can believe all you want about the dog's future. But that dog ain't nowhere to be found. You know what I'm talking about. So the best predictor of the future is the past. Now, let me give you another great example. Uh, we've got folks at our church uh, who have been part of special forces, whether it's the Rangers or whether it's Navy SEALs. But here's what's interesting about, about special ops: is you don't send somebody overseas on a, a an intense mission that requires incredible skill uh, without having a track record. So if you've never been on the mission before, how do you create the track record? It's called, in this situation, Navy SEALs boot camp and training. Now, what do they do with the Navy SEALs? I've never been one, but I've read about it, so let me just tell you what they do. They basically establish a track record in the United States of military con- uh, conditions or mission uh, conditions that they're going to experience overseas. So they put you through a lot of painful endurance. They put you through a lot of mind games. They push you to the limits physically, uh, and it's a self-select process, which is kind of interesting. So how do you become a Navy SEAL? You choose to be one. Nobody throws you out. You throw yourself out. You cancel yourself. You, you self-select yourself out of the program or you self-select yourself into the program. But the point is this. When you're sent on the mission... There's no question whether or not you're going to be able to perform under those conditions because you've already had to perform under those conditions. In other words, you've established the record in training here so that when you go there, wherever there is... You're ready for whatever it is that you're going to endure. That's why you go through impossibly rigorous training, unbearable pain, uh, and all kinds of, of lack of sleep and everything else, all kinds of deprivations, because the point is SEALs or Rangers or whatever other group are tested and proven. In other words, you can lean on them to perform in a situation where their performance is mission critical. Now, this is what Paul said about about uh, his spiritual son, Timothy. Philippians chapter 2, verse 22. But you know, talking about Timothy, you know his proven character, that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. So let me just share this. You know, we want everybody to be growing as a, as a believer and then multiplying as a leader. That's our mission here at Living Stones. Grow people, multiply leaders. Um, And many times people come with big visions and big dreams and they want to lead and they want to serve. But as I said, we like to look at this checklist we've just been talking about as it relates to trust, Um, competency, character, motive, all these things. I mean, it's very, very important. So Paul's looking at Timothy, and when Paul's giving his endorsement of Timothy, uh, he says he has proven character. What does that mean? It means Paul's been able to watch it. It means Paul's been able to watch him in action. He's been able to watch how he ministers to people. It's, he's been able to see it. You know, uh, I shared this story before when Pastor Andrew was uh, was here just as a, a member of our church. He was not a pastor at the time. I took he and about four or five other young men with me uh, on a ministry assignment, and uh, I had them come forward and join me as we were praying for people. This was at a church we were visiting, and I was standing next to Pastor Andrew and. I just had like this epiphany because as I watched him handle people and pray for people and serve people and love people, uh, and I watched the prophetic anointing that was on his life, I quickly realized um, this is not, uh, this is someone who has a heart for the local church, and this is somebody who has proven character. They're moving in an anointing and a grace gift on their life. And I recognized the pastoral calling that was on him by watching him operate. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So literally, like, like when I mentioned uh, David's name uh, and you all cheered, that's a good sign. If I would have shared, shared what we plan on doing and everybody, all I heard was groans, <laughs> then I would be going, hmm, maybe there's something I'm missing here. <laughs> because how many, know, how many of you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you? Okay. So for instance, when somebody shares a word from the Lord, like a prophetic word, if there's silence and the word went over like a lead balloon, then it might not have been a word from the Lord because how many you know the Holy Spirit in me and the Holy Spirit in you are the same Holy Spirit and, and there should be there should be a sense of amen. amen. So when somebody delivers a word from the Lord, a prophetic word, then the Holy Spirit in the church says yeah, yes and amen or oh my, that was terrible or something. But, you know, you, in other words, there's confirmation in proven character. So that's why the Bible says don't lay hands on anybody suddenly and put them into a position of authority suddenly because just what we read in that verse, there needs to be a demonstration of proven character. Everybody say proven character. Yes. That means you've seen it with your own eyes and you've seen it more than once, all right? You've seen it repeatedly. Let's take another look. This is with Titus and, and his uh, companions. Paul speaking here, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 22 He says, we are also sending with them another of our brothers, this is an unnamed brother, uh, who has proven himself many times and has shown on many occasions how eager he is. I like that phrase, proven himself many times. This is what we're talking about. When somebody is in a high trust relationship, you've watched their behavior many times. You've seen how they operate, not just on an isolated event, but many times so that there's a track record established of somebody's proven character or ability or competency. But let me just share with you the negative side of this. Here's the problem. We are predictably imperfect. In other words, we mess up. Anybody, am I talking to the right crowd? We make mistakes. Now, I'll give you an example. I'm usually really good at keeping my calendar, and if we have an appointment, I usually show up early. I'm an early person. But have any of you besides me ever had an important appointment with somebody, and you just spaced out, and they called you like, hey, are you coming? And you're like, oh, and you just realize I am nowhere near coming, all right? I am so far gone, it's a joke. Now... We've all done that, and that's a problem, but it's only a a really bad problem if it's repeated. In other words, I would probably, if that were you, I would profusely apologize, I would make sure I rescheduled you, and then when I rescheduled you, I would put lots of memory helps around that next appointment to make sure that I never, ever, 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 by the grace of God, leave you standing again. But if I do that on a regular basis, how I many you know it's more than a problem at that point? And then then we're going to talk about that. that that's, that's a big situation. But here, here's the truth. Only Jesus has been perfectly predictable in every way that matters. In other words, Jesus is the faithful son. Think about this for a minute. He never, ever, 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 ever sinned in thought, word, or deed ever in his life. He lived a, think about this, he lived a perfect life. That's why he is absolutely trustworthy. You you say, Pastor, can I put my confidence in Jesus? Yes! Yes! Absolutely! Will he ever let me down? No! He's never, ever in the history of Jesus being Jesus has he ever let let anybody down. So how many of you know he is the trustworthy, faithful son, and we can put our trust in him? But unfortunately, there's only been one Jesus, and the rest of us are fallen people, and we're going to make mistakes. We're going, to, we're going to have anomalies that pop up in our record. Now, here's the point. I like that word anomaly because an anomaly is something that's irregular. It's something that pops out of us every now and then. And people can deal with anomalies. But if we're building high-trust relationships, you need to understand that whenever anybody interacts with you, they're forming a map inside of their mind. So let's just say I was meeting with Greg. It's our first time meeting. Greg's new to the church, and we're supposed to go out for coffee, and I completely space. Now, how I many of you know that first impression is a strong first impression? Because he's going, what kind of pastor is this? He set up an appointment with me. He left me hanging, and that was the first impression. We always, in our minds, we form mental maps of people based on their behavior. Uh, it's just natural for us. So, repeated behavior that's good over time creates a good map, but repeated behavior that's bad over time creates a bad map. So, how about this? People ask questions like this all the time How did I treat them? Did I keep my promise? Did I deliver on what I said I was going to do? Did I make the deadline? Did I forget the appointment? Am I on time? Now again, we all need. Anybody play golf in here? I, I I need mulligans every time I play golf. I need I need mulligans on every hole. Multiple mulligans. All right, and I want to give you all a mulligan because have any of you ever been late? Yes. Have any of you ever forgotten an appointment? Yes. Anybody missed a deadline? Yes. Um, forget to pay that bill? Yes. 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 But the point is this, those are all mulligans. And if you play your whole golf game on mulligans, you're a lousy golfer. If you live live your life on nothing but mulligans, you got lousy character. And that's a situation that needs to change. And that's what we want to talk about today. So every interaction builds a track record. Look at what Paul said in Luke chapter 16. What a a great principle here. If you're faithful in little things you're going to be faithful in large ones. But if you're dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with the greater responsibilities. Isn't this good? In other words, every opportunity we have with Jesus is an opportunity to be faithful and to build a track record and to build a mental map in people's minds that says that person is trustworthy. That's somebody I can lean on. And the Bible says this, if you're faithful with little things, you'll be faithful with big things. Now, let me go back to the marriage illustration. A lot of times, us guys will mess up. We, we need all these mulligans, and then we're going to try to make it up with our wife. Well, how do we make it up? Usually, we think of something big. We're going to take her to Hawaii, and it will cover a multitude of mulligans, all right? We're going to take her to Hawaii, and, and, and everything will be great. We're going to, you know, we're going to do something big to let her know I'm really, really sorry. But, but here's the problem. It's all those little failures, all those little decisions we make day after day after day after day after day that really make the mental map. So when you do the Hawaii thing, it just doesn't really change the scenario very much. It's the little choices that we make. It's the, it's the faithfulness in the little things that builds trust and confidence in the big relationship. Is that making sense to everybody? So if we constantly tell our wife something and then we fail to deliver, she forms a mental map that says, this is, as we're making the next promise, in her mind she's going, this is a bunch of baloney. You are so full of it. Now, she might not say that, but that's what she's thinking because the little failures over and over again. Let me mess with you again. I've heard people say, Pastor, you know, when I uh, win the lotto, then I'll be faithful with my giving to the Lord. (laughs) And say, Pastor, I can't afford to tithe because I only make... The assumption is if I make more... Then all of a sudden I will develop a pattern of faithfulness financially. But if you make a dollar and you can't trust the Lord with a dime, why do you think you're going to be faithful if you can't be faithful with a dime? Why are you going to be faithful when you win the lotto? It's not going to happen. That's why Paul said if you're faithful in the little things, God will bless you with more. If you're not faithful with what you have now, you're not going to be faithful with more. And the, the conclusion is God's not going to entrust you with more. Does this make sense to everybody? So you start off where you're at and you build a pattern of consistency and faithfulness. Look at what it says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 17. Brethren, join in following my example. This is Paul speaking. And note those who so walk. In other words, other people who are walking just like I am, as you have for us, or rather you have us for a pattern. This is what spiritual maturity is. It's a template. Could you imagine, you know, Paul here is not being braggadocious. He's being very humble, but how about this? He's walked enough with God that he's actually able to say this. My life should be a pattern for you. Can we just pause there? That's that's a lot of guts to be able to say, you know what? I have been walking with Christ long enough that my life should be a template for you to follow. But how many of you know every one of us that's pursuing Jesus and pursuing spiritual maturity, that should be our goal? Not in some braggadocious way, but in a very humble way to say, look, Uh, how many of you know there are people, if they've had a great marriage and you've been able to watch their marriage, their marriage can be a pattern for you. In other words, do what we're doing. There are other people who are incredibly generous. Follow what they're doing. What has been the pattern of their success? Follow that. Other people that are just great with relationships, what do they do? They're a pattern for us. Look at what they do. In fact, this is the blessing of the local church is that if you came from a family that was not saved or following Christ or you had no models or you had no patterns, you should be able to come to the local church and find lots of patterns. You know, if you're trying to, you know, I think back in the day, remember uh, when we used to make clothes for your kids, right, before you went out and bought them, people actually sewed at home. Remember that? And you had patterns, remember? And, uh, you know, we had some patterns at our house. You used to cut them out, and you used to, and then you put them all together. Everybody know what I'm talking about? If you want to make a dress, you can get a pattern. If you want a skirt, you can get a pattern. If you want to make a pair of trousers, you can get a pattern. The local church is full of amazing patterns all around us. There, There are people who might not have all the patterns. They might not have it all figured out, but they have patterns over areas of their life where they've been incredibly successful. So you know what you do? You find those people and you say, hey, I want to follow your pattern. Help me out. Uh, And they can help you out. That's the beauty of it. Look at what it says also in the next passage here, Titus chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. Likewise, exhort the young men to be sober-minded in all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works. IN DOCTRINE, SHOWING INTEGRITY, REVERENCE, INCORRUPTIBILITY, and SOUND SPEECH THAT CANNOT BE CONDEMNED, THAT ONE WHO IS AN OPPONENT MAY BE ASHAMED, HAVING NOTHING EVIL TO SAY OF YOU. THIS IS SO GOOD. BE A PATTERN IN RIGHTEOUSNESS. SO THAT AS WE'RE, AND I'VE SHARED THIS BEFORE, WE CANNOT SPEAK PROPHETICALLY TO OUR CULTURE IF WE'RE INVOLVED IN THE SAME SIN AS OUR CULTURE. We have no moral authority. So to have to be an example in righteousness means we have to follow Christ. We have to obey the Lord. We have to submit to him. We have to have a lifestyle that's different from the way people who don't know Christ are living. Amen? Amen. A pattern of righteousness so people can look at us and go, wow, that's how a believer acts. Follow the pattern. Now, as I shared, problems, mulligans are not the problem. But when you have repeated mulligans, you now have what's called a pattern. Now I was going to show you a golf video this morning but it might reveal the morbidness of my humor, all right? I'm always amazed when I cuz I know my golf game. I'm amazed you follow the PGA Tour and here I am, I'm going to tee off, all right? I put my ball down and literally people are standing like this. And I'm I, every time I see that I'm like, "What are you people doing?" And I finally saw a golf clip. It was like a pro-am tour. And this person gets up, puts their golf ball in, rears back, whacks it, and about 30 yards down, hits this guy in the kneecap, and he collapses to the ground. (laughs) You hear this this whack, and this guy goes, ah, and falls to the ground. And then people gather around. Now, this is a pro-am tour, so it's like they don't stop. They just cart that guy away. And then... (laughs) And then you would think that after that demonstration, like people are running for the trees. Oh, no, there's this golf, you know, hoity-toity. They're all standing there. And the next, tees up the next ball. Same response. Whack, crack, whack, guy falls on the ground. And I'm cracking up. Not because somebody just shattered their kneecap. But because I'm like, that is me. That's what I would be doing. Now, again, after two times on this video, some of you might have seen it. After on this video, you hear this lady's voice. Please make them stop. <laughs> I, have, I have been out on the golf course where I hit, I make the ball go in directions that it, it's just, it takes an expert is what I'm trying to say. Most of you would not understand. It takes a high level of incompetence to create this. I can't. It's unpredictable, but when it happens, it's a sign and a wonder. It's just like so. When I actually hit the ball and it goes where it's supposed to, it's a moment for worship. It's like. Wah! My point is this: if you saw my golf game on a regular basis, you would not stand anywhere in front of me. You would be behind an oak tree, hiding behind a cart. You're somewhere, but you're not anywhere in front of me because this range right here, it could go anywhere, and you could be dead, all right? That's what's called a pattern. And patterns can kill you, literally. And your pattern can become an identity. So let me, let me highlight. This is going to really hurt for all of us Bears fans. It used to be when the Bears would lose a game, we said we lost the game. But if you lose games as a habit and you have a pattern, then you're not losing games. You're part of a losing team. So when so when our someone was crying over there, that hurt, I know. A future bear fan. So look, when you have a a problem that does not change, it becomes a pattern. And your pattern becomes your identity. So right now in Chicago, we're trying to follow the pattern of the Detroit Lions, who were once losers and now they're learning how to win. I was talking to my Kansas City Chief friend over here, front and row. She, she wears that Kansas City Chief shirt. Look at that. Look at that. All right. she. <laughs> I told her. I told her. Look at all you Chief fans. You guys were never Chiefs fans, so they were winners. Now you're all Chiefs fans. <laughs> no, but we have our little talk before church every week, and I say, there's something about you, Chiefs. You always find a way to win, even if it's ugly, that's because it's a winning culture because when you win enough, you figure out how to win more. Anybody want to have a winning life? Because if you got problems with consistency and character over time, you have a pattern. And if you have a pattern, you develop a, an identity. And yet when you develop an identity, it's hard to shake once that identity is formed. So let, me, let me, this is going to be so practical, all right? A pattern requires a process not a promise to get free from, all right? A pattern requires a process. Now, let me give you some examples. In church, how many of you you have big hearts, you love people, you want to forgive people, we're all about second chances? Go ahead, wave at me, I know it's all you. And if you're a mercy gift, you're off the charts. Like, oh, come here, that's okay, yes, we, we love you, we forgive you, and that, praise the Lord, for mercy people. But mercy people need other people to balance them out. Because here's what happens. Somebody says, oh, I'm so sorry. I'll never do it again. Please, I promise. Um, but the problem is they don't. that's not a problem. They have a pattern. And so they're saying, please, please. And we're like, okay, what would Jesus do? Oh, he would forgive. Yes, he would forgive. But listen, but he wouldn't extend trust. There's a difference between forgiving people and trusting people. Now, I see this all the time in marriages. Somebody will will act in a way that it produces a, a tremendous wound in the relationship. And, uh, and I mean a tremendous wound. And uh, this is what I'll say, whether it's the guy or the gal, husband or wife. What your spouse is looking for is genuine change. You've repented. you said, please forgive me. I, 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 I'm wrong. All those things are great. But when the wound is so deep... The trust is gone. What you need at that point is not a promise. Please forgive me, I promise never to do it again. You need a process to demonstrate consistency and to prove that you are changed. And if there's no change, there's no trust. And if there's no trust, the forgiveness is fine, but your relationship is going nowhere forward because there's got to be a process. So let me give you some examples. If someone's been a perpetual liar, they're not going to suddenly start telling the truth unless there has been a proven track record of honesty and integrity where there once was none. If somebody is a non-listener, anybody been in that category? They're not going to suddenly be an active listener who learns how to connect at the heart level because they've been a non-listener all their life, so it's going to take some time to change. If somebody is just a selfish person, they're not automatically going to start caring for other people. If someone's untrained or inexperienced, they're not suddenly going to be able to assume this project that's mission critical and get it done and deliver it. I mean, you know, if you have a problem with laziness, you're not all of a sudden going to become a diligent hard worker. Addicts don't suddenly break free from established habits leading to spiritual strongholds. In other words, they've got to have a process that goes goes on in their life where those strongholds are broken and where they walk out the freedom that they have. Jeremiah says this, Can an Ethiopian change the color of his skin? And can a leopard take away its spots? In other words, the beautiful skin of an Ethiopian is not something that the Ethiopian can change if they wanted to. In other words, that's a part of who they are. A leopard with spots cannot just make the spots go away. Jeremiah says, neither can you start doing good, for you have always done evil. So some of these things, if they're long-established patterns of brokenness or evil in our lives, they, they don't change. In fact, we don't have the power just to snap our fingers and make things change. Uh, you just can't choose to be different or choose to become somebody else. There has to be a process, which means we've got to prove it. We've got to prove it. Placing confidence in someone with a track record of not being trustworthy just because they promise to do better is not A very smart thing to do. You've heard people say, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Well, that's not such bad biblical thinking, because this is what the, the Proverbs says. Proverbs 27 verse 12. I love the way the message translation says it. A prudent person sees trouble coming and ducks. A simpleton walks in blindly and is clobbered. I've seen this happen in people's lives, you know, they they receive somebody's forgiveness and then they keep believing in that person. In fact, I I knew of a man one time who had a, a massive heart for people, massive heart for broken people. He also ran his own business. Now, my goal when I sat down with him was to get his personal finances and his business finances and his ministry finances separated into three pools because here's what was happening. Somebody comes in, they've struggled with a drug addiction, they've, struggled with, they've had to lie, cheat, steal to support their drug addiction. Uh, they come in, they pray a prayer, they ask Christ into their life, and then this brother would hire that person to work for his business. Now, I get his heart, but the problem was people would steal his truck, his tools, they steal everything imaginable, because just because somebody says yes in their heart to Christ doesn't mean they have a proven track record or that you should hire them to work for you even though your intentions are good to bless that person. But th- that person has not proven that they're trustworthy. And so they drive off with your truck or your tools or they drive off, they, they leave you hanging on the job because they're not able to be trusted. Everybody understand the difference So we're going to forgive everybody, but trust has to be earned. And so I go back to my man David. I told you I was going to pick on David. Here's, here's what we do around Living Stones. You don't put somebody in leadership just because they're a nice person or because they, they want to be leading. That deals with the issue of motive. What, what do we do here? We, my dad used to say this. When you come to Living Stones, hang out for about six months because how many of you know the honeymoon is great? Let's get past the honeymoon phase and see if you still like us. And the way you tell if someone still likes you is, are they consistent like in worshiping on Sunday morning? How many of you know, like, this is a real test of, of Christian character and what you're committed to. Like, are you a worshiper of Jesus? So if you're going, hey, you know, we need a life group. What about so-and-so? Well, I haven't seen him in a month. That's not a good testimony. And then you start looking at character. Like, why are they here? So David and Gina, seventeen years of pastoral ministry before they came here. You would never would have known that because they never told you unless you dug deep into their life to find out. I say, hey, welcome here. What did they start doing? How many of you go to marriage class? To see, have seen him at marriage class? All right, um, David, do you have a pretty good marriage with your wife, Gina. You like him? He's a good guy. <laughs> Okay, so you weren't at marriage class because it was a crisis. You went to marriage class because that's kind of what we do around here. You jumped into the culture. And then they went to marriage class. And, and did you guys join a life group too? Oh, you did. You went to the life group. You didn't demand to lead the life group. You just went. Did you show up regularly at the life group? You were faithful at the life group. Amazing. So you, sh- you went to a life group like 10 weeks long, and you showed up for like 10 of the meetings. Did you share your life with those people? Did you make new friends? Did you sit and go through the lesson like everybody else? And you supported people, you loved people. In other words, how many of you know, you can't be a life group leader if you don't go to a life group. And how about this? If you can't show up at your life group on a regular basis, why would we expect you to show up to lead a life group? I'm just being very pastor here this morning. In other words, you're looking for proven character. You're looking for consistency. You're looking to not be clobbered, which is what we just read in that last verse. And so I want you to see this. So you showed up at a life group. Then you guys led a life group. Then you guys coached life group leaders. Then you became leaders over the entire life group ministry. Do you all see how that works? Because let me give you another good verse. I'm on a roll here with these good verses. I like the practical ones. I'm skipping. This is all the way down. Jump forward to Proverbs 25. Putting confidence in an unreliable person in times of trouble is like chewing with a broken tooth or walking on a lame foot. Have any of you ever had a bad tooth? It's no fun going through life with a bad tooth. It reminds you nonstop, throb, 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 throb. Or David, you had your broken ankle. It's no fun walking around with a broken ankle. Um, So here's the deal. In ministry and in life, whether you're running a business, whether you're running your home, you got to be a high-trust person with a proven character so people can lean on you. Now, let me just share something else. You know, we made a decision during COVID that we were coming back. But how I many you know, just because your pastor's coming back or just because your elders want to come back doesn't mean your children's workers are coming back or doesn't mean your uh, youth ministry people or your ushers or your. In other words, there's more to this church than just a handful of leaders. It's all you all. So when we came back, one of the first things I share with our staff was if you're going to be on our team, this is how we roll. In other words, in times of crisis, I need to be able to lean on you. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. It just it means, are you my person? Are you part of our team? And when I say things like, we're not closing ever again, how many of you know, <laughs> that puts uh, the fear of God in anybody that's serving because it's like, oh my gosh, pastor says they're not clo- clo- that, that, I'm an usher. That means I'm going to be ushering if he ain't closing. Yes, that's exactly what that means. So I need to know that you're with us and that we're moving forward and you're on board because I can't lean on you if you're a broken ankle or you're an abscessed tooth. I don't mean that personally, but you guys understand metaphorically what I'm talking about. Did pastor call me an abscessed tooth? No, I did not call you an abscessed tooth. The principle, though, is you can't lean on, on people unless you know that they're with you. How do you know that they're with you? They have a proven track record of faithfulness. So let's say our worship team, someone signed up, to their, it's their day to play guitar. They cancel out. Well, what happened? Well, you know, something came up, blah, blah, blah. Okay, mulligan for you. But if you cancel out every other time you're scheduled to play, guess what? You're an untrustworthy guitarist. because evidently that's not a priority to you. Now, I'm not picking someone. Go, Oh, man, Pastor's talking about guitarists. I play guitar. There's only four of us. Is he (laughs) picked? No, I just can't. Paul, I'm not talking to you. Paul, I'm not talking to you. I'm not picking on anybody. I'm just throwing these ideas out there, and maybe it will stick. All right? Mistakes can be forgiven. Patterns, though, need a process to change because there's an identity that comes with that, and we need transformation. But let me end with this. Here's the good news. Galatians chapter 6, verse 15. Paul says it doesn't make any difference now whether we've been circumcised or not. He's talking about the outward form of the law. He's talking about the inward circumcision of the heart. He says what counts is whether we really have been changed into new and different people. Isn't that good? The New Living Translation says what counts is whether we have been transformed into a new creation. This is the good news for all of us. If you have been an addict and you built your life around lying and deception so you could fund your habits, so you could get high, so you can go on and on and on, here's the good news. Jesus Christ can transform your heart from the inside out so that you do not have to be that person. Now, we're going to be celebrating 10 years of Celebrate Recovery. Celebrate Recovery is not just for addicts. It's for hurts and habits and hang-ups. But here's my point. Celebrate Recovery is a process that you step into which takes you to a proven track record of character and healing. What is marriage class? It's not a cure-all. It is a process. I tell people all the time that are struggling, if you go to marriage class and be consistent just for six months, just six months, be consistent, your marriage will be better than when you started if you apply what you're learning to yourself. It's a process. What are we doing in life groups? We're saying it's not good to be alone. Spiritual growth is a team concept, all right? It takes other people to help you grow spiritually. If, you've had, if you struggle, say, man, I just don't have good relationships. I can help you with a process. Yes. Is this making sense? Yes. All of ministry is about creating wineskins that are processes that help people grow. If you're a young person, you're wanting to live a godly life, and you're, and you're wanting good friends and good influence, get connected with our youth group. You're going to be surrounded not with perfect teenagers, but you're going to be surrounded with teenagers that share your values. Does this make sense? So be intentional about the process involved. If you're in financial hardship and you have a lot of debt and you're in a bad place, how many know there are financial processes that you can go through and disciplines that can get you out of that hole? But it's going to require changes in your spending and changes in, in the way you're living your life. But you can get out of a financial hole with a process. That word is so good. Process. You don't have to stay where you are. And the greatest changer of all is Jesus Christ, who gives us new desires and new hearts. So that I'll just say this. The worst case scenario, if you've developed a, a loser identity, Jesus can turn that into a winner identity because he changes us from the inside out. And that's the good news of the gospel. Stand to your feet. Let me bless you guys as you get ready to leave. And we're going to have our team up front, some people to pray with you and love on you. If you need prayer, if you don't know Christ, what a great day to come forward. If your life is full of mulligans, that's what Jesus died for, is to set us free. So come on forward and let people love on you and minister to you. Father, thank you for the challenge of being people whose lives are patterns of righteousness. Lord, help us to have great marriages so people can see it. Help us to have great relationships in this place so people go, wow, that place is full of the love of Jesus. Help us, Lord, to pattern our lives after you so that people truly see the gospel. They see the good news of Jesus when they look at us. And Lord, I pray today, if people feel stuck in a pattern that's not healthy, my desire was not to Make them feel bad. My desire is to make you have hope today that there's change and you don't have to live the way you've been living and that trust can be restored and relationships can be rebuilt. Marriages can be healed. So, Father, I just pray for fresh hope and fresh vision. But, Jesus, we know it's all in you. So be the center of our lives. Keep changing us, Lord. Help us to be pattern people. In your name we pray. And everybody said amen. Love you all. If you need prayer, come on down, all right? Have a great day.